And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 54, the Adam McQuaid episode. One of the most lovable, likable, toughest Bruins there was. Number 54, Adam McQuaid. That is today's episode. I'm Evan Marinovsky, alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, very tired, but I'm doing well. Did anything happen on Wednesday? Were there, were there a lot of moves made? I don't remember anything happening on Wednesday in the NHL world. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I just didn't sleep well. No, just a tough night of insomnia. Yeah. Yeah, no I, no, I actually watched, uh, I watched Signs. Uh, and oh. my Shamal movie it frightened me. So I was up, I'll play a little bit, but well, there you, you know, persevere day to day. What are you going to do? That's tough. That's tough. Not much happened. This is not, what are we talking about? We're going to spend 30 minutes talking about nothing, which is going to be like, and the Shyamalan movies. Yeah. Yeah. This is, no, this is the M night episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyways, there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, free agency was Wednesday and boy, well, I mean, it, it didn't disappoint in the sense that it was very entertaining around the league. I mean, Philip Grubauer being taken by the Kraken, that was very out of left field. Um, Dougie Hamilton going to the Devils. There were no big moves by the Bruins, except in net, which we'll get to. Uh, but I had to write out a chart of all the additions and subtractions and question marks the Bruins had, just to go over things for people who maybe aren't caught up, and we can kind of start from square one. Uh, the Bruins, the day before, on Tuesday... Signed, re-signed Mike Riley, three years, three million. Then they started off free agency by signing Derek Forbert to three years, three million, left shot defenseman. Uh, they signed Eric Halla, 2.375 million per year. And that's two years, correct? Two years. Yep. Halla's two years. Thomas Nosek, two years, 1.75 million per. Nick Felino, two years, 3.8 million per. And then Linus, or Linus Olmark, Four years. Linus, yeah. Linus Olmark, four years, five million, and that's in net. Subtractions, you lost, they lost Sean Corrali to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He gets to go home. Best of luck to him. Uh, mm-hmm. probably Nick Ritchie. I know Kevin Paul DuPont had said that he was coming back, but then, uh, I believe it was Larry Brooks reported that, uh, that Nick the Ritchie looked to be, were looking at him. Yeah. They look, he looked to be someone that the Bruins were definitely going to keep and then didn't. Uh, and then, Lost Dan, uh, Dan Vladar as well. Best of luck to him out in Calgary for a third round pick. And then the two big question marks, <laughs> David Krejci and Tuka Rask. And the Bruins currently after yesterday have what? About 1.8 million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly, yes. which on days like yesterday, Cap Friendly is as real an MVP as there is. The GOAT. Yes, the absolutely. Goat. As good as it gets. So there's a lot to take from this. We will try to break it all down here. Um, and I think a lot of people are having trouble making sense of all of this. You know, the Bruins added a bunch of players. A lot of depth pieces, uh, a, basically a starting goalie. People are kind. There's a lot of question marks here, and and I'll, I think we'll start with this because I know we both agree on this. There's two scenarios. There's two lenses to look at yesterday in. There's if Krejci returns, and there's if Krejci doesn't return. And in one scenario, it's really good, and in one scenario, it's really up in the air. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's tough to like do a full grade or, or gauge this off season right now, just because there's so many you know pieces up in the air, right? You look at, uh, it's kind of like you watching like a Christopher Nolan movie and like halfway through it just gets cut. And the person's like, what do you think of it? Like, I oh, don't fuck it. I, I haven't seen the second half of it. I don't know how, what to gauge it on. That's like kind of how you have to view it right now, because if you're going in, you know, 
if David Krejci returns and they have to move cap or he signs a, a you know, a value deal, granted, I don't think a value deal is like 1.5 million. Like I think they're going to have to move <laughs> a cap anyway. Right. But if he signs for three and a half, four million, if they, if they able to get him to do that and he's your two C then you, you're looking pretty good. You know, have they moved the needle enough that people are getting the duck boats ready? No, I think you have to have a lot of stuff work in your favor. I think they've improved in areas they needed needed to, um, especially in that bottom six where Felino and, and Howla and Noshik and all those guys will contribute. But um, if David Krejci is not there in the middle, one, I'm curious as to why you you know spent the money to keep Taylor Hall because I don't think Taylor Hall signed here with the expectation of having a, a center by committee uh, kind of be the guy that's driving offense on his line. Um, so yeah, it, it all depends, I think, on whether or not Krejci comes back because if he's back and the pieces fall where they may in that bottom six and you've got, uh, Felino and Coyle and Howla and you know, Jake DeBrus is in that mix too. I imagine if they have to clear out cap, he could be the first one to go, which, um, curious to see what the return would be. I don't know if that would be a straight cap dump or if it's, you package him with other players to move, you know, like a John Moore contract or what have you try to get, you know, cap flexibility plus an impact player back. Arizona is um, very nice in the winter. <laughs> yes. So yeah. There's plenty of options that they can, that they can go with in terms of freeing up cap and, and moving some contracts out. You know, it's not like they're locked in right now, nor I think people have to be aware that the Bruins, I think can go 10% over the salary cap limit during the off season. So they could sign Krejci right now to like a $4 million deal. It's not like the, the NHL's cap auditors are going to come and like, just like fight Don Sweeney right now. You don't have to do it until the regular season starts. So they have some, some wiggle room there. Um, it's like in the yeah, movies when someone gets kidnapped, they walk in with like a thing, they put it right over to Brust's head and like pull him yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so uh, you look at this, this, how, how they handle this off season and is it, you know, the moves people were expecting? No, I think, especially, I think you look at that defense might be a big question mark in terms of whether it's the right personnel, you know, with, with Grizzlick and Riley as potential, you know, top four guys is Derek Fulbert, the, the equalizer that you need. Cause I think we've talked multiple times about they need at least like, you know, two guys out there and you need to get bigger guys. Granted the market for defense and seemed pretty brutal. I mean, you already didn't have Alexiak was off the market. Martina stayed in, in Vegas. Um, you look at Ryan Suter who, you know, he's getting paid a, a boatload of money from Minnesota is still chasing money in term at his age, which, Best of luck to you, Brian. Whatever. Credit. So, I mean, what you, you, <laughs> Kudos. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can't do much if you're the Bruins. So it's a bit of a tough situation in that regard. Um, you don't know if even a guy like Ekholm is going to get moved, considering Nashville traded Ryan Ellis already. So um, you have to make do with what you have. So they're better defense than they were before, but still some question marks there. So um, again, have they improved? I think so. Uh, there's a lot of again moving pots. If Krejci's back, you know, if he's back in the fold by this time next week um, and they've moved, you know, DeBrusque or, or what have you for cap relief and or maybe a player, then I think the complexion changes that this team, even with, you know, the situation in net, addressed areas they needed to address. But if we're going into camp and it's we're doing a story of is it going to be Charlie Coyle or is it going to be Jack Sidnika at 2C, then you're in trouble. Or Nick Foligno. Like, you know, Nick Foligno, if he's your 2C, 
not great for a team in a win now window, right? However, if he's uh, a third line, uh, you know, winger who's able to, you know, provide offense in a spot of the line you didn't get much from last year, pretty good. So it all again hinges on what what Krejci ends up doing. I look at yesterday in three segments. Obviously, you have offense, defense, and in that, duh. But I think on defense, it's the most cookie cutter. They improved, but it's not enough, right? You have the same top four you had last year, which you need to. It needs to be better. You added Forbert to most likely that third pairing, which I think Forbert was an overpay, but you needed that. Six foot four, two twenty, um, can kill penalties, plays tough minutes. I think he'll be better than he was in Winnipeg. You needed him. You needed a guy like that. You got him. Kudos. You, you improved in that regard. I would say Forbert's probably better than Lozon. So you improved, but you need to improve more on D. Um, so top four, I don't know what they're going to do for that. that. Those guys are off the market. They really were never quite on the market for top four uh, left shot defense. But I mean, you just, as you said, Alexiak, Martinez, and Suter, all three were going to be very tough to, to lock down. Um, so that's going to have to come via trade. Offensively, though, you mentioned it. You know, you, Sweeney mentioned on Wednesday, you know, center by committee if Krejci doesn't return. That's scary. That's scary. I also think it's interesting. He wants Frederick down the middle. So you would assume Frederick would probably start off as maybe the fourth line center. It, I think yesterday, as much as it speaks to uh, needing an injection of, of, of proven depth, right? Like that's kind of why the Bruins have had postseason struggles the past few years. Is, you know, when it comes to these big moments, when the top line isn't producing or even the second line, the third and fourth lines need to come up big. And, and last year in the postseason or this past season, it definitely didn't happen. Year before, it didn't happen. Against the Blues, it had a tough time happening. It kind of speaks a little bit to their maybe not so confident in Stadnika. Because again, Stadnika was kind of touted as, you know, last year he started out on the, on the, you know, the top six. I know it was a winger, but he's always been kind of like, oh, he's, you know, the future top six centerman. And yesterday they get Hala, who's a center. Felino, who can play center. Uh, you have Coyle, you have Frederick, you know, maybe even Krejci. Where's Stadnika in this mix? I know obviously no one's really talking about it because Stadnika, he hasn't really made an impact on the roster yet, but we were told for so long that this was a big chip. This guy was going to be, you know, top six center. I don't know where he fits in in any of this. And I'm just curious, you know, and, and, and I know you feel the same way with if Krejci's gone, where do people slot in? I mean, I would assume Coyle's the second center or the second line center. So then is your third line Stadnika? Is it Hala? I mean, you're paying Hala or Felino to potentially be that. I'm just like, it's mind blowing what this lineup could look like next season. Yeah, no, again, it, there's so many pieces that haven't been said. And it's not even looking at DeBrusque, right? Of like, even if, um, you know, crazy doesn't return and these guys move mm-hmm. up, like, uh, is he still a guy that the Bruins want to roll with next year? If he's, you know, your third line, you know, left wing, I think he's still due for a, a bounce back season, but uh, you know, is it better value moving him for an asset or, or you know, getting some money back? I think Critchie's back. I think he's most likely gone. I don't know where else it is. You have a tradable asset there, unless you're also, if you're lumping, you know, Sadiq in that mix and making you know a bigger package to acquire a guy, then maybe that changes the complexion of things. But in terms of Sadiq, yeah, and in terms of maybe some of these other younger players, I think it, it, it's it's tough to map out a set ideology right because if they you would think that in this win now window where they've also have signed a felino a a howla you know these veteran guys that it's like all right we saw what happened with the youth movement last year we went with zaboral and and lozon and sanika didn't work 
and it did not gel at all with our win now window. So you'd imagine this year it'd be the same thing of, or be the opposite of we're not doing a youth movement. You know, if a guy like Frederick sticks, he sticks, but we're not going into the year entering training camp with, you know, Stednika at the top of the depth chart in a, a key spot in the lineup. So that would seem to mesh with what these signings were, but also, what happens if Krejci's not here? Like Krejci's the ultimate determinant in just how legit they can go in terms of trying to go for it with this veteran heavy group now, because if he's not there and Stadnika is your three C or he's in a key spot like that in a key part of the lineup, right? Like you're not spending, you know, these couple million of dollars on that third line to have a, a rookie that you don't know can fit that role, be the driver there. Right. So, so um, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's tough to kind of map out a set game plan. I think we generally know what the, the, the course that they chatted out was and that they're trying to go for it. They're trying to round up depth. They're trying to have, you know, versatility and adding these guys to the mix. But if Krejci's not there is kind of that, that, that key cog you need at the second line, then it all kind of falls apart, right? You're like you're missing like a key foundation that you're leaving the whole rest of the lineup construction unstable because, can Coyle bump up to two C? I mean, he can. He's a center, but is he what you want right now? And especially in this win now window, even if he's well, like, let's say he he bounces back and his you know the knee injury he had and the surgery he had back to one hundred percent, and he's a Coyle that we saw, uh, you know, in twenty twenty eighteen nineteen, uh, the first half of twenty twenty, that'd be great. But is he still a two C, right? Like if what's Charlie call at his best, you know, 45 points probably, right? It's a very yeah. good three C, but if that's your option there for uh, a guy in the middle, that's going to drive and get the most out of a, a second line that you need to produce with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, it's kind of scary. And again, you also is Jackson Eagles a two C. A lot of risk there. And again, I don't think Taylor Hall will be that thrilled about it, right? So it do, it doesn't – whatever option you look at, if Krejci's not back, it doesn't mesh with the the layout and the plan that they have for uh, going for it this year. So it all is going to depend on David Krejci. And again, who knows? Maybe they have a, a deal, you know, they're working on it and they're just, you know, trying to move up cap first because I'd imagine they would rather move the cap space right now just because let's say they sign Krejci to a $4 million deal and they're over the cap right now, you lose some leverage in terms of moving a guy like DeBrusque because teams know that you need to free up the cap space. So they could be waiting just to move those moves before signing a guy like Krejci. But that's what you hope is a scenario. Cause if it's not, and they're literally just <laughs> on, on hold, you know, as like David Krejci's ch- like chilling in the Czech Republic or down in South Carolina, that's not good. You would think no. this would be something they would handle right away. And, it, if he's not back, then the outlook of this season and kind of this window gets dour very quickly. I think you're screwed if Krejci doesn't return. Because, again, I, I don't know. That's I, I sort of way to put it, but very, very <laughs> blunt but effective. Yes, I think you're screwed. I do. I, I don't know. I mean, Coyle is your best bet as the two see if he's gone, but I, it's not really proven. There's a lot of question marks when in a training camp. Safe to say it's not a safe bet if Krejci doesn't return. But what is a safe bet? What's a safe bet every time is bet online? Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox are playing. Patriots training camp is here. And soon, the Bruins and the Celtics will be back. Even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
No matter how the schedules change or the plays that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to BetOnline and enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, the people have said no one beats that. I was at Fenway on Wednesday. Someone came up to me and just said, hey, nobody beats that. I was like, damn, you're right. Hey, this word is spread. No one beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Ben Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Go there now. It's funny. As all this was happening on Wednesday, I was supposed to go to the Sox game Tuesday night, but it got postponed to the next day for 2 o'clock. And I debated on not going because I'm like, well, there's going to be a lot of moves happening. But then I was like, well, my seats are really good. And I paid mm-hmm. enough for these. I'm, it's a yes. beautiful day. I'm going. I don't care. And I went with a friend. Wise and on choice. the way, yes. And I'm sitting in the whole game, updating Twitter, all this stuff. And then as I'm driving home, as Omar is getting signed and stuff, uh, obviously, I can't look at my phone and drive, as everyone should know. Yes. So my friend was sitting there reading everything, all the tweet, you know, what people were saying, what the deal was, um, you know, what, everything like that. And I'm sitting there just dying to say something about it or see things for myself. But uh, took the safe route, took the safe route. Um, so we hit on defense a little bit. And I think, for, again, Forbert fills a need. Forbert fills a need. A little bit of an overpay, though. Still need to get that top four defenseman. Um, but I think maybe the most interesting thing that happened yesterday was it feels like, feels like this team has moved on from Rask in a sense. Um, Omar at four, uh, four years times five, mil- five million per, that's not backup money. That's not, you know, a temporary uh, answer. That is a long-term solution in that. And I think a lot of this left a lot of people kind of like, what? Um, moving on from Rask is one thing, but when you have Swayman there, so Swayman is obviously in the fold. He needs obviously more time. We all agree that Swayman needs more time to prove himself and to kind of get ready for consistent NHL action. But what did you make of the Linus Olmark uh, deal? What were your initial reactions to that? Yeah, uh, probably a little bit surprised at what the, you know, the term of the payout was. I think when it got announced, it took a while for the, the term and the actual details to come out. So well, didn't, the Buffalo to- news, didn't the Buffalo News say that Buffalo offered him like five times 25, I think, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, but I think it was, you know, Friedman, I want to say was the first one who like had like just the straight, you know, Omak to the Boston. So first reaction is like, oh, not bad. They're clearly, you know, they're either, you know, gearing up for a legitimate guy to be kind of that stopgap or, uh, you know, they're, you know, thinking maybe Rass is going to be out longer term or if he's back at all. So you sign him and you're like, all right, you pair him with Swayman. That's a very good insurance, you know, policy because, as we've said multiple times, you don't want to have a, a Kata hot situation on your hands and a rookie that really struggles in an extended role. Uh, then the term comes out and it's four years, five million. You're like, this isn't even like, you know, starter money of like a guy in a short term. Like this is a guy you're committing to at that, that kind of contract. So uh, in terms of, you know, how, if it works out, I think, you look at the grand scheme of things and just how these things are mapped out. 
I really don't have that much of a problem with it because I think at the very least it covers all the bases of a situation in net where you've got, it's like a choose your own adventure book. And like, there's about 400 different ways that it can go haywire. If you pick the wrong hallway to take or what have you, like whether it be, you know, swimming and Vladar struggling, if, if Vladar was here and they went with them, um, them struggling in an extended role, they didn't have much of a backup scenario, uh, a spot where, you know, Tuka Rask either is still injured or he decides to retire and all of a sudden you're, you're screwed, you know, going into the postseason. Um, all, all these kind of different scenarios that you run through. Having got an Olmach there who isn't just like, you know, a journeyman. They didn't sign like a, a Craig Anderson or what have you. of just like a body to be there that has played an NHL game as insurance. They've got a guy in Olmark who you kind of look at his numbers. It kind of reminds me a lot about, the Bruins kind of, I think, thinking when they signed Yaro Halak in 2018, because people forget as good as Halak was, you know, especially in that first year in Boston, his numbers the year before with the Islanders were not that great. I think he had like a 906 save percentage. And again, you kind of looked at his numbers and the underlying stats. They looked pretty good. It's the problem is you had, you know, the pre-trots Islanders defense in front of him, which was pretty dog shit. So the fact so you look at Olmark last year and for him to put up a nine seventeen save percentage uh with the Sabres with that defense when Rasmus Ristolainen is like your number one option back there, like holy shit. So um I think you, you look at the opportunity the Bruins had. One, you've got a guy in Olmark who I mean, who knows, man? Like even if Swayman is, you know, struggles a bit or even if he's solid, you've got another guy you pair with him in Olmark who could have his value really maximized in this role when he's got a competent defense in front of him and a solid structure that Bruce Cassidy has, you know, this could be a guy that could take another big step forward for this team. And if you sign him to a deal like this, where he's still only 27, 5 million against the cap. But if he's a guy that all of a sudden has, has like a nine, you know, two, four save percentage, you know, in, in the season looks pretty good. And in that case, you either can decide on Rask later and maybe he comes back healthy for the playoff run and you've got a good tandem with those two together and you get Swingman more time down on Providence. Or it's a situation where maybe Olmach and Swingman are lights out and you don't have to even revisit the Rask situation if whether it's, you know, finding the cap space or just the situation of juggling those guys in net. So I think initial reaction, I'm fine with it because I think Olmark one, has a lot more to give and two – it, it pretty much covers any situation you have, right? Where Whether it's a rookie struggling, Rask not coming back. Rask, if he does show up, it's one of those good problems to have, right? It's not like it's something the Bruins would be dreading over, especially I think you looked at how last year ended, where you pretty much were, you know, were nervous to go with Jeremy Swayman in that role with that depleted defense in front of you. You had an injured Rask, you know, Sweeney kind of more or less mentioned that, you know, they could very well go into the postseason now with a legit tandem if it's, Omark and a healthy Rask in the postseason. A lot of teams would love to have that happen. A lot of teams would love that situation. And Swayman, who at that point in the season either could be on a roll or he could, you know, be taking the the struggles that are expected from a young goalie in that spot. So I think however you look at it, I think the Bruins still did a good job of identifying a guy that not only is just a a solid NHL, but a guy that I think has a lot more room to grow and a higher ceiling that maybe people don't realize considering the numbers he put up in Buffalo. Also, I think the other thing that some people you know, are critics of this deal, and again, the money does seem high, but I think the critics are saying, you know, oh my God, even 
even if Rask doesn't return, you know, is Omar going to be starting over Swayman? Is Swayman going to be a backup for four years? And I think the answer is no. They platooned Rask and Halak, no issue, when Rask was making $7 million a year. They had no problem doing that. Why would they have a problem platooning Olmark at $5 million? Who's a, who's a goalie who's had some injury history, and you you know you platoon with Swayman and, and Olmark. There's no real starter. There's no real backup. It's a 1A, 1B kind of scenario. Whoever takes the 1A or takes 1B is completely you know hard to guess at this point because Swayman was on such a roll last year. Olmark's also very, very good. So I think it's fine. Like I think, it, and, and, and that helps you. It does feel though like Rask probably wouldn't return unless there's an issue, unless one of them slumps or gets injured or whatever it is. Um, it feels like Rask is done. But I will say this. Sweeney mentioned yesterday he talked to Rask and Rask kind of gave the okay for Olmark. This probably won't happen. But, you know, in my, my thought of thoughts, the, the conspiracy theory part of your brain, you know, the part of your brain that's always there. It's kind of like, well, maybe this could happen. You almost wonder if they're going to use the time that Rask is uh, on the shelf to kind of let Swayman grow into his own as they would like to, you know, play really, really well. And then when Rask is ready to come back in January, February, you have Omar and Swayman gunning it. What's right around that time? The trade deadline. Trade deadline's right around that time. Rask comes back. They sign Rask to, I don't know what, whatever deal they've signed him to. And they pair him with Olmark. And then you got Swayman. And he's playing really well. And you're going to throw him down in Providence? You're really going to do that? Olmark's under contract for three more years. Who knows what Rask is under? You can always sign a regular backup. You wonder if they might trade Swayman. Because at this point, at this point, Swayman is their number one young prospect. There's, he's completely surpassed Anika on the, on the, on the, uh, on the depth chart in terms of the prospect pool. He's their number one guy. If you, you could trade Swayman for a lot of things right now. And if he plays really well this upcoming year, you could trade him for even more. And I wonder if, I wonder if they would ever consider doing that, whether it be for a Jack Eichel when his no movement class kicks in <laughs> or for a top four left shot defenseman, because that feels like it's going to be tough to maybe uh, trade for right now. Um, I'm just kind of curious if that would ever be something they do. Cause that's a big move. That's a big move. But there's part of me that's like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, it's probably further down on the list of how they, I think ideally they like to keep swimming. But again, I think signing Olmok gives you that option though, that you probably didn't have before where, it was either, you know, Swayman or Vladar or you sign a journeyman like that was not going to be part of the plan. If you're coming into a guy like Olmark, you can either, again, it opens up a whole new level of options you have where you can either roll with him for the foreseeable future as your number one. You have him as a, you know, an insurance for Swayman as he kind of develops and builds his foundation as the eventual franchise goalie that you hope he becomes. Um, it opens the door to have him be, you know, a guy like Swayman to be, potentially use as a trade chip. If again, as you said, if he looks like a premier number one goalie, I probably would move him. But if you're think you, you need that last push to get over the cup and you've got a, a top six guy or a legit number one defenseman on the market or what have you, maybe that changes. And that wouldn't be an option if you didn't have a guy like Olmark in net, who's hopefully at that point playing very well. So I think when you look at it, like most offseason moves and like most of this offseason for the Bruins as a whole, 
about 500 different moving parts with it that it's tough to like build like a consensus like one sentence like summing up how like their goaltending situation or the decor or the bottom sixes but i think when you look at it considering how you know tough it was to gauge what to even expect from that goaltending core going into this year as of 24 hours ago you at least have some stability there and you have options which i think considering how you know potentially destabilizing it could be to in a win now window lose your franchise goalie for if not most of the year maybe maybe he's done uh the fact that you now have a guy like Olmark and Net to be you know paired with a guy like Swayman you at least have some stability there which uh you know I think you go into the season I think the number one concern is still Krejci and then probably the defense the fact that I think goaltending for me is still third on the list of you know concerns or what you don't really know that much about is a testament to the fact that they at least have an option back there that they can kind of rely on hopefully in an old mark so um again tough to gauge right now what it's going to look like by training camp but you're still in a better spot than i think a lot of people thought they were going to be as soon as the news dropped back in june that rask was going to be out for five six months to me going from rask halak to Olmark swayman feels like an upgrade because again, you're saving money against the cap as well. You're not paying as much last year. They were paying what about $10 million in net at the current moment. It's what 5 million plus Swayman making is swimming, is swimming under a million or is, he's over a million now. Right. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how it kicks in once there. So even then if it's, six he's not million, making a lot of money though. Yeah, yeah. So if it's six million, you're saving 4 million and you have two younger guys in net, uh, Swayman, you know, very high upside. So to me, in some ways that's an upgrade. So again, I know there are a lot of people who are saying, you know, Wednesday was a complete failure. It was awful. There's a lot of people saying it was great. I think it's, it's, it's tough. To, the, the dust has yet to settle, but on first glance, I do think that at least defensively, they, they upgraded a little bit, should have upgraded more in net. They upgraded offensively. That's still very murky. I, it's hard to, again, with the crazy stuff, as we've discussed, it's very hard to kind of pin that down. Um, and it does feel like DeBrusque will get traded. Maybe even gets traded even if um, Krejci doesn't get to come back because there's still a lot of pieces in that bottom six. Um, and I think they still would like some cap space. So I'm curious if that happens. I wonder what his value is. Like, I, I do wonder what his value would be if you, you – know, can you get a second-round pick for him? Mm, could you get a third? You know, can you get a legit NHL player in return? I don't know. Again, if it's a cap dump, I don't know how you're – you know, maybe DeBrusque and more for a pick. I don't know. I, I, I the, the market's maybe, so yeah. weird. I, I have no idea. And I mean, you could also look at it too. They could be holding on in terms of entertaining offers until after most of these top six wingers are off the mark in free agency. Because if you are a team that missed out on a guy that you were targeting, you know, a guy that's capable of scoring 20 goals, um, maybe you then, you know, circle back and look at a guy like DeBrusque who, I'm sure there's plenty of teams that even if maybe, you know, DeBrusque valued right now is not the greatest, can look at him and be like, all right, he's 24. He almost scored 30 goals in a season. He was on pace for over 20 goals. Had COVID not hit in 20, in 2020. Um, you know, he's a guy that if we put him in our situation, change of scenery, could be a top six guy in our lineup. You know, there's value there. So they could be waiting for that kind of the free agency dust to settle and then, uh, you know, entertain offers once again. So I think there's value there, which would be another reason why it'd be tough if he's more or less just a, a pure, you know, cap dump. But 
I, in terms of, you know, priorities though, it's all about freeing up cap and getting Krejci back because again, not to beat a dead horse, but if Krejci's not back, the whole outlook of the season takes a major hit. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so that's the, that's everything in the Bruins world. I think we kind of hit on everything. Um, you know, goodbye, Corrali. Hello, Thomas Nosek. Feels like Nosek's going to be a fourth liner. Uh, Hala, Felino are going to be third liners. So uh, we do know that. We do know that. Um, around the league, uh, what stood out to you? What was the surprise? What, uh, what, what, what uh, piqued your curiosity? What was, um, what'd you like? What'd you, do, uh, what'd you not like? <laughs> yeah, I think probably it's more what I didn't like of like how many teams were throwing out crazy contracts. It's crazy how you look at last offseason, how hesitant teams were to, to spend, you know, especially in the flat cabin. And people were very cognizant about that. Didn't look like it this year. I mean, people were throwing out crazy money to, and again, like I understand you're paying up for Hamilton or, or what have you, but um, even, you know, Coleman to a six year contract, which Bruins oh. were supposed on him, but. That was the yeah. one bullet dodge that will give Sweeney yeah. credit. That was, I'm glad that didn't happen. That would have been, that would have been like reminiscent of the Bacchus deal. Um, but you look at just, you know, like Suter for a four year deal. Zach Hyman gets a, I think, seven year contract. Um, Cody Crack- CC got four years. Yeah. The Kraken who didn't make any deals during the expansion draft and, you know, signed Chris Dredger, like gets Grubauer now. Like it seems like people are, we're spending a lot more freely than I thought they would, especially considering we're still in this flat cap era and there's no guarantee yet that it's going to be increased next year. I think in the coming years, it's inevitable that the cap rises once again, once you've got that ESPN and Turner deal kicking in, once you got Seattle doing well, once we go back to the pre pandemic, you know, level of revenue, but it's not a guarantee that it's going to be by next off season. So the fact that so many teams are spending at this level, uh, kind of surprising. And I don't think there's any, real like winners like there wasn't a team that i think you look at how they handled the first day for you and seem like team setting themselves up for a run maybe colorado getting kemper but even then like that cost to get him was pretty heavy right like yeah. that did not go according to i think their plan of what they were hoping was going to happen when they had to do this kind of panic trade for a guy like Grubauer, uh, a guy like kemper so well lebron was saying that their plan a was obviously re-signing grubauer their plan b was signing freddie anderson plan c was trading for kemper so they were up against the wall yeah so you know i i look at it you know the teams that are still good are still going to be there you know like colorado even if they had to do a little bit of a panic move to get a goaltending still have a lot of the usual suspects back there they're still going to be good they locked up McCard. you know they got landis they got all those guys tampa even you know people think tampa even though they lost their entire third line they're still gonna be good they're still gonna be very good they still have andre Val- even without their top six and they also re-signed brayton point who is a monster like deserves it yeah they're, they're still, they would still be a legit contender, even if they didn't have that top six, because Vasilevsky and that defense is still as good as it is, right? They're still going to yeah. be a very, very good team. So, um, honestly, the team that I think came out of this whole offseason right now looking pretty good is Arizona of being cognizant of the fact that they suck and they have a lot of work to do. So they just took on all these shitty contracts and I think they've got seven picks in the first two rounds next year. Like they do. That's that's an actual good rebuilding effort from from Armstrong coming in there and fixing what was a mess. So that's one team that are they going to be good? Hell no. But in terms of actually ripping the bandaid off and really retooling and rebuilding and what should be two <clears throat> pretty promising drafts, 
they did pretty well for themselves, especially considering they got dipshit Vancouver to take that OEL contract, which and to get a and and to get the ninth overall the ninth pick overall from. pick exactly yeah. So sucks the Bruins didn't get Gollings. I think he would have been fantastic, you know, addition, but not worth it for that OEL contract. That Jim Benning trying to uh, and over in Vancouver trying to say you know change of scenery is going to fix what has been a replacement level production from OEL for that contract is embarrassing. Like that Vancouver team is so screwed, man. Like there's been, there was a lot of, we're not even talking about Carolina, how they handled not just the Tony D'Angelo shit, but they're, you know, deciding again to be exposed, the the cheap owners that they are with uh, getting real Novelkovich and, you know, going with, uh, you know, the team that people were so high on now that they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and trying to save money, Chicago giving Seth Jones that horrible contract and trying to now build a contender like in the middle of what should be a rebuild. They should have, I mean, they should have blown it up years ago. The fact that they're now like tried to blow it up one year being like, Oh, this sucks. Let's let's just spend a shit ton of money again. Um, There's yeah, there was a lot of teams that as much as I think maybe Bruins fans are disappointed that, the offseason maybe hasn't been as lofty as they expected. Good God, there's a lot of teams that had some shitty weeks the last couple of weeks. Oh, and I mean, just the I mean, look, I look at the Blackhawks. Look at that Seth Jones deal. There's obviously that, but I mean, just trying to run it back. It's like, what are you doing? Like, just rebuild. Um, I just didn't, I didn't understand that. You know, like what what are you doing? I mean, Taves is on the verge of retiring, so you just have Patrick Kane. And you're building your whole team around Patrick Kane. Um, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And then, yeah, the Tony D scenario, the situation in Carolina um, makes no sense from a uh, real life standpoint. From a cheap owner's perspective, you basically trade Dougie's nine million a year for Tony D and his one million a year, um, hoping that you get like half the production. I guess I can see it from that angle, but that's a terrible, terrible person and uh, not someone you want in your locker room or representing your organization. They kept I, they kept trying to yesterday or Wednesday trying to justify he's become a better person and that you know he's he's changed. Of course there's no examples of that. And everyone kind of just looks at that and laughs. But the real reason is is they wanted to save money. They wanted to save the 8 million on a puck right shot puck moving defenseman. That's the yep. reason. They looked at they looked at his stats from 2 years ago, saw he had 53 points and said, "Well, we can do uh we can do that and uh Save money. And that's the reason. That's the real reason. It doesn't care that he's, you know, a racist or, or any of those things. It's just, you know, he saves money. That's it. That's the reason. They're a hockey team at the end of the day. People forget. Um, but that, yeah, that's NHL free agency. Uh, might continue. I just got a notification that Brandon Saad is going to St. Louis and Corey Perry is going to the Lightning. So can't beat him. The, Mar- the, Mar- the, the Marion Hosa <laughs> experience. <laughs> next year, that, that basically locks in that the Canadians are going to win the Stanley Cup next year. Yes. Yes. Um, Anyways, before we go, uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, obviously a whole bunch of news to break down uh, over the last couple of days. I'm sure there'll be more news to drop in the coming days where I think there's still a lot more shoes to drop in terms of the Bruins offseason. So we'll have all the updates, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportschannel.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all of that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day.